and welcome to A Murderous Affair. I don't know why I started like that today, but that's how we're going with it. My name is Gabrielle, and we are officially another week closer to Halloween, which is the best holiday of the year. Although, can I say how absolutely ridiculous it is to see that there are already so many Christmas sections up in the majority of stores? Like, come on now. At least give Thanksgiving some respect. Anyway, in keeping with our spooky Halloween theme, we have both a murderous and a mythology today. And both are very interesting ladies who I've been wanting to cover for a while now. Our murderess of the day is known as the female Dracula, and she is none other than the Countess Elizabeth Bathory. Our mythology is a woman who's considered to be just as bloody. The legend of Bloody Mary. And yes, I did pair them up just for the sake of that pun. And yes, I did pair them up just for the sake of that pun. Let me have my fun. And now the intro song, because all of a sudden I'm rhyming. First, let's get our reference section organized. The information for our female Dracula came from a couple of different sources. Infamous Lady has a great article on Elizabeth Bathory, which you can find at infamouslady.com, and I guess that's actually a book that's out about her life and her scandal. So if you want to Google Infamous Lady book, then definitely recommend doing that if you want to read more about her. Wikipedia, of course, always makes the list. And then also, History.com and Britannica.com had great articles on her as well. As for our Mary, we also have our ever-useful Wikipedia articles discussing the folklore and various appearances in popular media. Liveabout.com put together a really great article called Explaining the Legend of Bloody Mary in the Mirror, which pretty much talks about all the variations included in her legend. So, if you're interested in learning more about either of these subjects, check out those resources. But first, our murderess of the day, the Countess Elizabeth Bathory. Born August 17, 1560, Elizabeth Bathory, also known as Bathory Erzabet, would grow up to be a now infamous Hungarian countess who supposedly tortured and murdered hundreds of young women. Or was it all political nonsense? Or was it all political nonsense? Let's find out. Bathory was born to a noble family in Hungary and had one older brother and two younger sisters. Unfortunately, there's not really any information out there about them that I could find, but if you guys know of any, then please feel free to message and let me know. I'd love to know more about this family. Speaking of family, there was a lot of inbreeding in it. 
which was common back then because, you know, the farther back you go, the more acceptable incest is. As a child, she reportedly had a lot of seizures and anger issues, which was a quality that she shared with her father. And it's thought that her family had a history of mental illnesses in addition to the general weirdness that comes along with being aristocratic, which apparently that's a thing. Bathory had an amazing education, which is also pretty common for the aristocratic. She could read and write in Hungarian, French, Latin, German, and Slovak. She also took classes on math, logic, and classics. And as a young girl, she demanded to be treated just as equally as her male peers by family and servants. When she was 11, she was engaged to a 16-year-old named Count Ferenc Nadazdi de Nadazd et Fogarasafold. And I feel like I nailed that name. All right. <laughs> in 1572, she went to live with him and his family for the duration of time until their official marriage. Now, as of 1596, Bathory had three daughters. She also had a very close crowd of four servants who were described as three old women and a disfigured boy. Now, these servants would also eventually be accused of the torture and murder of the multiple women in association with Bathory. Now, it was testified that the women and the boy would lure girls who were working as servants who were between the ages of 10 and 14 and then participate in the torture and murder of them. Now, the servants themselves actually testified that the countess would hurt these girls in a variety of ways and had an extremely cruel creativity. Now, this part's a little squeamish, so if you guys are squeamish, then I would just skip ahead about 30 seconds. But one activity she would do when she was feeling too weak to beat these girls would be to apparently stick needles under their fingernails and then for those girls who tried to remove the needles that had the needle they were trying to remove in it. So yeah, she was a despicable and horrible person who deserved a miserable death, but we'll get to that part later. So in 1604, her husband died and it was with his death that her secrets started spreading more and more. Apparently, she'd started going after the daughters of family who were royalty or royalty adjacent. And after her husband, who was a big political influencer, died, more and more of his allies started pulling away from her, which left her more vulnerable. It also doesn't help that her family was left in a ton of debt at the time of his death. However, with his death, her control also jumps into an early grave because that's when she basically gives up all pretenses and starts going after young girls from high, powerful families as well. And this is really what kind of begins her death. And this is where her downfall truly starts to begin. Now, let's go back to her husband's death. When he dies, there's a building tension due to the power gap that it leaves in his wake. And, and the rumors that Bathory is basically on a killing free-for-all don't help the situation at all. It's said that her servants testified that at this time, they'd estimate over 200 were killed. Although, I would like to keep in mind the human flair for drama and history's tendency to exaggerate at times. Um, but it is estimated that Bathory killed between 200 and 600 people. By 1610, time was running out for Bathory. A man who'd actually been a family confidant of hers at one point, in a turn of events, ended up becoming the second most powerful man in the country. His name was Georgi Thurzo, and he was second only to the king. But 
Rather than this helping her, this actually sped up her downfall. Nobles and other royalty were pressuring the king and other powerful landlords to do something about Countess Bathory. And this is where the tricksy little politics come in as well. See, at this point, there was also some drama going down in terms of people trying to oppose the power of the king, which if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, usually leads to some pretty serious stuff. And rumor was that Bathory was actually supporting these posers who turned out to be cousins of hers. See, the Bathory family was powerful, but was also in a lot of debt. And the rumors surrounding the Countess didn't help their situation at all. So it's as this unrest starts occurring that the King and Thurzo decide that it's time to take action against Countess Bathory. So on December 27th, Thurzo and a company of men headed to Bratislava, where the Countess resided. According to letters that were later recovered from Thurzo, the events happened as follows. And this is an excerpt of what was written in the infamous Lady website if you would like to go and read more on it there. He and his men arrived on the night of December 29, 1610, prepared to apprehend Countess Elizabeth Bathory and her accomplices. When his men entered the manor that night, they found the bodies of dead or dying girls strewn about all having suffered from torture, beaten, flogged, burned, and stabbed. Within a few hours, additional bodies and victims would be found within the castle itself. At least 30 known witnesses, townspeople, and the servants of Thurzo arrived to take part in what was clearly a long-awaited spectacle. The manor house located in town was thoroughly searched, and then the countess was escorted up the hill to Castle Kasechthi, accompanied by the crowd and a party of armed men. So the Countess is arrested, and it doesn't exactly say how old she is at this point, but it does say that she is elderly in the information that I was able to find. What's unfortunate about that is that in the 1600s, I feel like elderly could literally mean anything. When she's taken into custody, she's placed, she's placed on what essentially is house arrest, and she does what any other logical elderly countess who's suspected to have murdered over 200 people would do. She begins a letter-writing campaign to convince everyone of her innocence, and can prepare to be surprised because can you guess how well that worked out for her? And can you guess how well that worked out for her? Well, prepare to be surprised because even though the king and Thurzo knew that her claims were just completely BS, because of the power that her family still held, they agreed that the countess would not be brought to public trial. However, Thurzo came up with an idea that in light of the evidence, he recommended that she would receive a life imprisonment rather than the death penalty. Also, Parliament ordered that the name of Countess Elizabeth Bathory would never again be spoken in, quote, polite society. So what this means is that she was never to be let out of confinement. On Sunday, August 21st, 1614, the Countess was complaining about her poor circulation. She told her bodyguard, quote, look how cold my hands are. Now, the bodyguard told her that it was nothing and that she should just lie down. So she put a pillow under her legs and then died shortly after. One of her son's servants claimed that Elizabeth was buried at the church in the castle on November 25th, 1614. Her remains were supposedly taken back to the Bathory family estate in 1617. However, where her body lies today is actually a mystery because on July 7th, 1938, 
the crypt at the church was opened, but the countess's grave was not found. There's also claims that in 1995, the Bathory family crypts were also opened and no remains of the countess were found at that site either. Crazy, right? And this is a legend that would go on to inspire Bram Stoker's Dracula. There would also be exaggerations made that she would drink and bathe in the blood of the woman that she'd killed, but because there haven't been any recovered statements that have verified this, it's assumed it's just part of the exaggerated legends. But that is the story of Elizabeth Bathory. And if you think that her story is scary, just wait until you hear about our spooky mythology of the day. So I have been personally haunted by this tale since I was in elementary school. I remember when it was super cool to go into the bathrooms at school and try to get this spirit to appear in the mirror, but I never did it, of course, because I'm a huge chicken who hates all things that invoke supernatural. Notice how I'm avoiding saying her name in this podcast. That's how much I don't like this legend. But I would always hear my friend tell stories about this spirit, and that was enough for me. Also, can I just say I absolutely hate that trope in horror movies where you look away from the mirror for a second, and then when it cuts back to it, there's a jump scare. I absolutely hate it. I refuse to look into the bathroom mirrors at night specifically because of this legend. So that being said, let's talk about it. So there's always been folklore and superstition out there about mirrors that gives them magical or definitive properties. And in the 1700s, British folklore gave us Mary. Now, according to our favorite place for research, Wikipedia, quote, historically, there was a divination ritual that encouraged young women to walk up a flight of stairs backwards, holding a candle and a hand mirror in a darkened house. As they gazed into the mirror, they were supposed to be able to catch a view of their future husband's face. But, there was also a chance that they would see a skull or the face of the Grim Reaper instead, and that would show them that they were going to die before they would have a chance to marry someone. So today, Bloody Mary allegedly appears to people or groups who say her name repeatedly while looking into a mirror placed in a dimly lit or candlelit room. Traditions state that her name must be repeated 13 times or some other specific number of times, but then the apparition will allegedly appear as a corpse, a witch, or a ghost, and could also be friendly or evil. She is also sometimes seen covered in blood. Now, the lore surrounding this ritual says that the people who call her may find that she screams at them, curses them, strangles them, steals their soul, drinks their blood, or scratches out their eyes. So a lot of fun things. Why do people play this game again? There's also different versions of her name, such as Hell Mary and Mary Worth, that people use instead of Bloody Mary. What's interesting is that Alan Dunes, who's a folklorist, says that Mary can be a metaphor for, quote, the onset of puberty in girls and, quote, describe both the fear of one's body changing and the excitement of the taboo nature of sex. Which is interesting. Especially because I remember that the only people who played this at my elementary school and my middle school were girls. Um, for all the guys out there, if you have ever played this game, then leave a comment and let me know. And we'll data track and all that jazz because I'd be interested to see if that's actually a real thing. But in the words of developmental psychologist Jean Piaget, the whole myth is probably nothing more than nominal realism, which is the belief that words and thoughts can influence real world events. Also, I'm thinking that staring at a mirror in a dark room for a while and having a ton of adrenaline rushing through your veins may also probably have something to do with apparently seeing something in that mirror. Either way, Bloody Mary still continues to be a terrifying legend that people, even though the consequences seem really extreme, 
Either way, Bloody Mary remains a popular figure in folklore, and oftentimes people attempt to invoke her at sleepovers and during party games. For some reason. Even though it doesn't seem like calling her would be a good idea because she can be evil and mean and maybe take your eye or soul away. But that's just my opinion. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you know more about the Bloody Mary legend or have any recommendations for people who want to find out more about this legend, or if you want to share any more cool facts about the Countess Bathory, please let me know. You can comment wherever this is posted, or you can get a hold of me on Twitter or Instagram at Reads. If you like books and want to hear about all the bookish things that I talk about, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash I'm glad I finally got to talk to you guys this week, and I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. But that's all for today. Stay spooky, friends, and I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.